0: I remember six years ago, during my Christmas New Year holiday, I read the autobiography of Adoniram Judson, and he was a pioneer missionary to Burma, and this story had a major impact on my life. And after the service, Helen and I uh, had lunch together, and we were discussing this Life, this life of adoniram judson and what he had achieved for the lord and we said to ourselves look um it's very easy to become comfortable and complacent and what has god got for us next because we'd been in brunei for six years and when we came back to new zealand from brunei we felt that God was saying to us that He had another overseas assignment for us, sometime in the future when our children had finished high school and tertiary education. And so we decided that we would start listening to what God was saying to us with regard to where He wanted to go us to go next. And a couple of weeks later, I got an email from my oldest daughter with a job description for the senior pastor of the Baku International Fellowship in a country called Azerbaijan. I'd never heard of Azerbaijan. But she said, Dad, this job is written for you. So I read the position description and I applied for the job. And after a while, uh, we got uh, notified that they wanted to Skype call us and then we went over to Azerbaijan for an interview. And we ended up um, serving over there for three years. It was an amazing experience, a country just south of of Russia, uh, just to the east of Turkey and Georgia, and just north of Iran. So I want to share that story of Adoniram Judson with you this morning. Adoniram Judson was born in 1788. And as I was sort of reflecting on this this morning I realized that the age he was at when he died was 62 which is my current age and that sort of made me think about a few things <laughs> He grew up in a in a Christian home but he turned away from his Christian faith when he went off to university he had a roommate called Jacob Eames, and Jacob Eames convinced him that God had no control over what happens on the earth. And so Iram told his Christian parents that he'd lost his faith and that he was going off to New York to write plays. He teamed up with a bunch of wandering actors, and he started to live a godless life. But one night when he was touring, he checked into a small village inn where the man in the room next door to him was very ill. Throughout the night, he could hear low voices, groans and gasps. He was worried that that man next door to him may not be ready to die. Then he thought about his own life. What would happen if he died? When he checked out of the inn in the morning, he asked the man at reception about this guy in the room next door, and he said he died in the night, and Adoniram asked, do you know who he was? Oh yes, he was Jacob Eames, a young man from Providence College. His old roommate that had talked him out of the Christian faith was in the room next door to him and had died at a young age, in his early 20s, that night. Judson was absolutely shocked. He stayed for hours pondering his friend's death. Surely death could not just be a meaningless event. Surely this wasn't a coincidence God was on his case. Just like God intervened in the life of Paul when Paul was on the road to Damascus, the same or similar thing had happened to Adoniram Judson. There was no doubt that God was chasing after him and wanted his life. So Adoniram rededicated his life to Christ and entered Bible college in 1808. While he was in college, he fell in love with another student called Anne Hasseltine. After knowing her for just one month, he wrote this following letter to her father. He said, I have to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her, And for you, for the sake of perishing, immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise, which shall resound to her Saviour from heathens saved, through her means from eternal woe and despair Anne's father responded that he would allow her to make up her mind her own mind as to who she would marry and so she said yes and she wrote to her friend I feel willing and expect that if nothing in Providence College prevents to spend my days in this world in heathen lands yes Lydia I have come to the determination to give up all my comforts and enjoyments here Sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends and go where God in his providence shall see fit to place me. They were married a year and a half later and set sail for India 12 days after that. They had a high sense of adventure, vision and enthusiasm. While spending time in India, Adoniram was baptised by another famous missionary, William Carey. Then they moved to Rangoon, the capital city of Burma. It had 40-degree heat, cholera, malaria, and dysentery. It was two years before they got their first letter from their family in the U.S. And Adoniram didn't return to the U.S. for 33 years and never saw his mother, father, and brother again. Their first baby was stillborn. Their second child only lived for 17 months. Judson learnt the language and began translating the Bible and did street evangelism. The sowing of the gospel was long and difficult. Reaping the crop was even harder. It was six years before they had their first convert. Eight years into their mission, his wife Anne was also sick so sick that her only hope of living was for her to return to the US. She spent two years and four months in the US recovering and wrote a book about their work in Burma. This book stirred up new workers, more prayer and more financial support. In 1824, the British Navy bombarded Rangoon Harbour and all Westerners, including Adeniram, were viewed as spies by the Burmese, and they were put into prison. At night, their feet were chained to a long bamboo pole that was hoisted up so that only the heads and shoulders of the prisoners remained on the ground. His wife Anne was pregnant again. She walked two miles each day to plead for Adeniram's release. She brought him an old pillow that contained the only copy of his translation work. And so he was able to continue his translation work while in prison. After a year, he was transferred to another prison, but he wasn't allowed to take his pillow. He was released three months later and used as a translator in negotiations between the Burmese and the British. He was gaunt, crippled from torture, tormented by mosquitoes, and very close to death. He was worried that he'd have to begin his translation work all over again. But a believer had visited the prison and found his pillow, and he was able to complete translating the New Testament of the Bible. His wife Anne's health deteriorated, and she died 11 months later. And their new daughter daughter, died six months after that. Without his wife and daughter, Adoniram suffered from extreme depression. He wondered if he'd served God for ambition and fame rather than humility and self-denying love. He stopped his translation work and withdrew from people and things. He destroyed those things in life that supported pride or promoted pleasure he gave all his private wealth to the baptist board and asked that his salary be reduced he gave more money to missions and retreated into tiger infested jungle for 40 days he spent the year of 1830 climbing out of depression despondency and darkness he discovered the difference between outreach and upreach the difference between law and grace. He had a revelation through his despondency, through his seeking the Lord. And often we can be caught up in legalism where we do things to obey the rules, to be a good person. But God wants a relationship with us. When we accept Him as our Lord and Saviour, He comes into our lives. And he wants to lead us, and he wants to guide us. And we can train ourselves to hear his still, small voice. So that what we do in life, as far as ministry goes, is done out of relationship. We love God, and we want to please him. And because we love him, and we don't want to upset him, we do the things that he wants us to do if you're trying to live the Christian life just by keeping all the rules, you will fail. And you will feel condemned and like a failure. But if you can have a relationship with Jesus and really know Him and talk to Him, He will delight in you and you will delight to serve Him and follow Him. It's impossible to live in fear and worry and be full of the love of God, because perfect love casts out fear. The following year, okay, so he goes through all this hurt, depression, despondency. But the following year, after he's had this revelation of the love of God, there was a great outpouring of spiritual interest across the land of Burma. And Judson wrote the following... He said, the spirit of inquiry is spreading everywhere through the whole length and breadth of the land. We have distributed nearly 10,000 tracts giving to none but those who ask. I presume there have been 6,000 requests at our house. Some come two or three months journey from the borders of Siam, which is Thailand today, and China. Sir, we hear that there's an eternal hell. We're afraid of it. Do give us a writing that will tell us how to escape it. Sir, we have seen a writing that tells us about an eternal God. Are you the man that gives away such writings? If so, pray, give us, for we want to know the truth before we die. Others from the interior of the country, where the name of Jesus is little known, would say, are you Jesus Christ's man? Give us a writing that tells us about Jesus Christ. Then, in 1834, Adoniram Judson married a second time, a woman called Sarah Boardman. They had eight children. Only five of them survived. After 11 years, Sarah became very sick. They set sail for the U.S. with their three oldest children. Sarah died on the journey home. Adoniram returned back to Burma to find that one of the three children that they left behind had also died. To everyone's amazement, Adoniram Judson married a third time. He married Emily Chubbuck in June 1846. She was 29, he was 57. She was a well-known writer and willingly gave up her writing career to go to Burma. On their first wedding anniversary, she wrote, It has been by far the happiest year of my life. And what is in my eyes still more important, my husband says it has been the happiest of his. I never met with any man who could talk so well day after day on every subject, religious, literary, scientific, political, and nice baby talk. I wonder if my wife is going to write something like that for me (laughs) on my 35th wedding anniversary. Adoniram got sick and suffered from a very high fever, vomiting and terrible pain. He died while returning home in April 1850, away from his family, away from his church. One of his last sentences was how few there are who die so hard. Ten days later, Emily gave birth to their second child who died at birth. It was four months before Emily actually learned that her husband had died. She returned to the US the following January and died three years later of tuberculosis at the age of 37. But Adoniram had completed the Burmese Bible and the Bible Dictionary. Hundreds of Burmese converts were now establishing churches and training in ministry. The price that Adoniram paid was immense. He was a seed that fell to the ground and died. Jesus said in John 12, verses 25 and 26, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. In in 2013, Helen and I took a sabbatical before we went to Azerbaijan. And we visited Burma, which today is called Myanmar. And I was invited to preach in a Judson Baptist church in Mandalay. And they were still using the Judson Bible in that church. And I lectured for two days at two Bible colleges in Yangon, which used to be Rangoon, the capital city, to a class full of enthusiastic intelligent students today there are 3,700 Judson Baptist churches in Burma with 619,000 members and 1.9 million adherents they all trace their origin back to Adoniram's labor of love this astonishing fruit in Myanmar has grown in the soil of suffering and death. You know, in the world, there are about 12,000 different language groups. In approximately 3,500 of these, only 1.2... Sorry, 12,000 different language groups. And through translators like Wycliffe, most of those... Languages have been translated and and the Bible has been made available in the language of people. But 3,500 people or languages are found in countries where only 1.2% of the population are believers in Jesus. Most of these are in the 1040 window. And they're very resistant to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of these countries are very similar to what Burma was like back in 1813 when Adoniram Judson went there. Very few people today are prepared to endure the sort of hardship that the Judsons went through. Adoniram had a deep belief in the sovereignty of God a deep confidence in the goodness of God, even through difficulty, calamity, and misery. And as we've seen, two of his, of his three wives died before he did. Marie, his third wife, succeeded him by only two years. Only seven of his 13 children survived. We all need to remember that life is short that each one of us will one day give an account of our lives to Jesus. Are we concerned about the lost people in this world? To what extent are we prepared to step out of our comfort zone to serve the Lord? We have a wonderful opportunity to reach the lost in this town in the year ahead. It's exciting that we've taken ownership of that community meal on a Monday night, where 80 people turn up for a free meal. And this year, we're going to be giving a devotion between the main course and dessert. Just a five-minute little word that's going to minister to people and direct them closer to Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ... Reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God has given us a message of reconciliation. We look around us at the lake, the mountains. We're so blessed to live in such a beautiful place, and the heavens declare the glory of God. You cannot deny that there is a God when you look at his beautiful creation. But man has chosen to walk his way rather than God's way. But he has given us a ministry of reconciliation so that we can bring people back to Jesus, so that people can be restored to a relationship with the God of this world. A fruitful and fulfilling Christian life is the result of us dying to ourselves like that seed that germinates and grows and produces a harvest. The advancement of God's kingdom often includes the suffering of God's servants. In Luke 21 verses 16 to 18, Jesus sent out his disciples. And he said, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Some of you will be put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. Some of his faithful servants are still giving their lives to save the people of the world. We're going to enter into a time of communion. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. What was it like for God, the creator of the universe, to strip himself of his identity as God, to come to earth as a man, to humble himself as a servant to the point of death? As we take the bread and the wine this morning, Reflect on your own life and give thanks to Jesus for his life that he sacrificed for you. Ask him to clarify his call on your life this morning. The sacrament of communion is for every believer in Jesus Christ. If you aren't a believer in Jesus, you don't need to partake. Just sit back in your seat and enjoy the music. But our prayer is that God will bless you all today, and every day. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Jesus gave His body, and shared His blood, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for others like Adoniram Judson, who have poured out their lives for you, and for others. We consecrate our lives afresh to you this morning. We give you all the glory adoration and praise lead us and guide us as we seek to serve you in the year ahead in jesus name amen